What is a theory, you might ask? A theory is a carefully thought out explanation for observations of the natural world that has been constructed using a scientific method and which brings together many facts and hypotheses. Did you know theories come in many shapes and sizes? Conspiracy, behavioral, psychological, evolutionary, brand, and the theory of life itself, and many more. There is no lack of theories in the world we all call home. This is what drives me and my brother to question everything. We welcome you to News Theory Podcast. We love theories as much as the next guy. But remember, we are not experts on every subject. We do this for fun and your entertainment. So make sure to look up the facts and do your research if you want to know more about these topics. Welcome to the Muse Theory Podcast. We are happy you joined us again today as we approach closer to what most of us should remember, the decade 2000. There is a lot to recall of that decade. Anyone listening today has definitely experienced this time period, and to each one of us, it can be remembered a little differently. Do you remember it fondly, or does it not hold the best memories for you? We will be going over the day-to-day and help remind you, even though this time felt not so long ago, there may have been a lot that we have all forgotten. Then, stick around later as we look into big events of the time and what theories developed in this time period. We are happy to go along this journey down memory lane. Speaking of memories, Brandon, how was your memory of your last week? Man, it was a crazy one. Working 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. for like a whole week straight, getting trained and uh, working down there in the in the basement of the hospital, uh, doing some crazy call-outs and stuff. For, I'm saving people's lives by association. By association, so you're settling into your new job week. pretty well. Yeah, oh, I got used to, you know, waking up at uh, later in the evening and staying up all night. But now I got to transition to a new schedule, which will be two thirty to eleven, Monday through Friday. Yay me! Yeah, working the Monday through Friday gig now, huh? What about you, man? How's your uh, How's your week been? How's things? Ah, things uh, Things are going well. I. I'm used to the little more like nine to five or traditional uh, office hours, you know, like uh, like generally I usually work like nines to uh, nine to sixes and ten to sevens, things like that. Um, but besides work, um, actually, I was kind of I, I realized I've jumped over this a little bit and just went straight into my career. But like I kind of just wanted to break down and let you guys know just a little bit more like, you know, that. You know, I have a small family, I'm married, we have um, two cats uh, and a dog. Um, yeah, just breaking down the entire family life here. But I just wanted to say how much we love uh, love animals because we have um, two black cats. Their, name are, uh, their names are Solus and Luna. Um, one's diabetic. We'll definitely talk about that later. Um, and then we have a dog named Serby, and he's an Australian cattle dog. Super cute, super nice coat um beautiful dog those cats man those cats are have a little bit of history between the both of both of us oh, because yeah, man. um i'm pretty sure they were kittens of a cat that uh my fiance had which yeah is crazy. it was yeah whenever 
um, definitely a long story there of how Mama uh, Kitty. all of us all of us got together and how we ended up uh, here and uh, well our my wife and, relationships yeah our relationships like of how <laughs> how closely intertwined uh, they ended up between us brothers and our tell you uh, guys. significant others oh for sure I was just gonna tell them it's like if I didn't decide to go out one night uh, randomly then uh, who knows how things would have went. So if you guys to take chances sometimes, just do it. You never know what will happen, even if it's just a trip to your local restaurant or to just whatever you're going. Somebody invites you, you never know. The, the path you end change up your life. on. Yeah, just that one, that one path that you end up taking. It could completely change your life. Don't give up. Keep going. You know, I think happen. that's actually perfect for what our podcast is, is because it's about keeping an open mind. That's and right. You never know what could happen out there. That's right, man. You never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Which again, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely keep touching on uh, a little more things in the future about about our lives with you. Um, but I'm going to segue into our optical knowledge tip of the day so in the previous waiting episode all week for this. oh yeah i'm sure you've been dying for it um so last week we talked about the three o's of the optical world and what, what all those roles are and uh what they do um but now I've, i'm going to start moving into since you know what that is i'm going to tell you um just like a neat little fact of the day the way that we navigate the world is, of course, with our eyes, and everything around us is just light reflecting off of something. And what what happens is in a perfectly normal eye, whatever whenever that light hits that surface, it travels through your cornea, goes through a little lens in your eye, like a camera, and then it hits the back of your eye where the retina is, and then it takes in that information and then that's how you see your brain takes that information in and then you, you perceive it. So what I'm getting at is what glasses and contacts do is they take that light and essentially for people who can't see well, uh, what happens is when that light hits the eye, either the cornea is elongated or um, your eye is misshapen essentially and that's you know that's why you don't have you don't have a perfectly round eye essentially. So uh, instead of that light hitting perfectly on your retina back there, it may come it may fall a little short, or it may go on to a point that's beyond your retina, and uh, or it can even hit and just scatter all over the place if you have terrible enough vision. But what that what those lenses do, the glasses or contacts, is they take that light and. And for you specifically, it will shift that light so that way it hits right where it's supposed to, and that's why you can see clearly. Whoa. You just blew my mind with all that crazy and detailed information. Yes. So definitely. Bravo, sir. I Thank you. I, I very much look forward to continue teaching you little by little about how cool... Um, this job is and what you can learn from it just from listening to us yeah very nice i don't know how to follow up something that amazing besides the only thing i was going to talk about was uh 
just a little bit of inspiration. I'm feeling inspirational today. All right. I want people. Yeah. Any any people out there, you know, that uh, are on the creative side or maybe even not, just want to do that thing that they've been wanting to do. Like I've been grinding every, you know, every day, every week, learning new things, studying things for my uh, YouTube channel, TikTok and all that. And, uh, you know, there's a couple people at work. I was telling them about our podcast and I was like, she's like a writer or something. And I was like, you know, she's had her book out for a couple of years. It's like a murder mystery book or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you should, you know, do a podcast. And I got her really excited about it. And I was like, you know, cause you're a writer, you know, it would be awesome for you. And you could write short stories and stuff. And, you know, and she's like, I think I'll do that. And then just what I'm getting at, it's like, you know, just, it may not like take off or whatever, but you know, just mm-hmm. get out there, just do it. Just try just, new things. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be too afraid and, because otherwise you're going to be waiting for a perfect time to do that thing you've been wanting to do and it'll just be too late or you just never do it. Just do it. That's my tip. That's my knowledge for today. Bro, that is very insightful. I think everybody can use a hype man. So everybody just needs to be listened to every now and again to hear their ideas. and Yeah, and, release and let, that. Yeah, let them be heard and then actually be their hype man and like gas them up and be like, man, you do great at that. Give it a shot. You know, I think you're a hundred percent right. That's a great idea. Yeah. Don't hold back. You see the world in a different way with them. Crazy new glasses from Zach. (laughs) That's right. You can be inspired to figure out where you're going and you'll have the glasses to see where you're going. That's right. Yeah, you need to. There's there's two different ways to. There's there's two ways that this could go, or there's two ways that this will work for you. You you have the proper um, eyeballs and glasses to navigate the world, and you have Brandon's insightful and inspirational information to to be knowledgeable on how to handle your day to day. Yeah. You'll be whistling like the man from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or getting groovy like the, the people from the 70s. That's right. And speaking of decades, uh, with us moving into the 2000s, we are going to go ahead and set the stage for that, and we're going to move into um, bringing you guys back with us about... what. 20, well, starting back at 23 years, but 2000 to 2010s. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and let us uh, set that up there for us. Picture this. There's band Healy signs everywhere. You're picking up your top eight friends on MySpace. The iPod was the biggest thing that anyone wanted. And alongside that, you had a T-Mobile sidekick ready to text your friends. But honestly, having a Motorola Razor is the perfect phone for this era. It was the status symbol, and everyone was wearing Live Strong bracelets. The world was changing, and fast, with tech on the rise, and it was being integrated in our everyday life. The 2000s had a lot to unpack. I hope you're ready to be uploaded with dial-up. Oh, hold on. I'm going to have to get off AOL. My mom needs to use the phone. 
All right, welcome to the 2000s. We have a lot to discuss about the 2000s. There's there's many interesting aspects that we're going to go over. Uh, as you know, we always cover the culture, the media, uh, world topics, tech, um, and then some other things that we found that were interesting. Dude, there's so much. Like, this is what we remember the most. Like, reading over the MySpace earlier, I, I remember I think I only had, like which some of you younger listeners might have heard of it. MySpace was the precursor to Facebook, yet it was so much more better. So much more better. It was so much more intense. So better. Uh, so you could have, like, your own page, right? And it could have, like, music link to it. You could have, like, your custom wallpapers and backgrounds. Oh, such a good time. But uh, you had a thing called Top 8. Or was it Top 5? I don't know. Mine was, was only... Eight. I only had two... And uh, you were not in there. Oh well, they started they started customizing <laughs> it to where you could choose like whatever how how much top, like top oh, whatever, yeah. like uh, and of course Tom was always on there as well. You, you could yeah, I don't like, think you could get uh, rid of him. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I don't know. I think you could for your top friends, but I'm talking about. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. Like it was like a serious like actual topic in school. Like, if you weren't in somebody's top eight and you were friends with them, oh, God. Oh, yeah. No, that was actually very insultful. That would be from today's standards of, like, um, I'm trying to think the equivalency of some social media. There is nothing equivalent. You know what's interesting social media-wise compared? They made it such, back then, it was such a, like, it was a personable thing. You really got to take your page and make it your own. And now, like, there is no... Like you may have your life events and you get to do your statuses and things like that, but there's no person personalization to any yeah, of your social like, medias now. Everything's so dull. I remember when Facebook was starting. I would I hesitated. Well, because we thought really it was for old time. people. Yeah, it was so boring. I thought it was for business Stupid. people. I was like, what's that? Well, yeah, it was created initially for college students. Yeah. It's that one documentary or movie or whatever talks yeah, about. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It, was, yeah, it wasn't it, called it was, Facebook. It was like, oh, I was. I think it was just called Social Network. Was it Social Network? network? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was big. It's 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 more okay. Let's just say that it was a lot boringer back then. Way more boring. Oh yeah, uh, it's was compared boring. to today. Yeah, yeah, it's opened up quite a bit with the, just the way everything works now. Oh, it's uh, let's move on to a different topic here. Well, I was gonna say revolving, <laughs> revolving around uh, MySpace. You know, I'm sure. W- once again, like we were saying, is this is that we since we actually grew up from like 2000 to two, yeah. 2010, like these are this is like a prime era for us. Even a little bit past that, as we got more into. Um, as we grew up even more, but this was really the the time for uh, us as teens and things like that. Yeah, um, our pimple faces. Uh, what I was getting at with MySpace is around that that time as well because we were uh, it was it was big for the scene phase um, because I even remember specifically there was uh, <laughs> uh, there was little avatars and stuff you could have on there and it was all very like gothy, sceny, and like. Um, it was just weird what you could get your avatar stuff to do. But um, the things that 
a lot of people idolize now about seeing kids is just their their whole vibe of everything and Brandon can definitely attest to a strong part of that because even I'm I was more in middle school early middle school and still kind of going through all that but he uh, got it along more of the, the high oh. school phase when it was at its height I was the king scene and for those of you that don't know what a scene kid is it's kind of like what they would call it's not emo but it's mm-hmm. like like more color um you have the swoopy hair which i had guy lights i had the best hair in the entire city oh it was definitely idolized so he, beautiful yeah. oh i miss he it was, uh, but uh he i'm sorry to interject here but there's just yeah. one thing that you finally got away from is a lot of people would compare you to shane dawson oh no yeah he's still <laughs> making videos i asked if this take me so long i just get so mad but uh yeah, go on. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of colors. You know, you got your skinny, uh, skinny jeans and then uh, your awesome metal music, which a lot of it was just screamo music, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and then the girls, on the other hand, had really tall, uh, long, most of the time straight, poofy hair with color in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like your e-girls of the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, because they had, uh, a lot of the style would have like the raccoon hair um yes what it, yeah. it was called was like it That's would it. have like stripes in it and stuff uh, but yeah then they had their very like scene look but getting back to what you were saying about the style of it is yes it was not emo it was not goth it was in between it had it was a much more playful and um random attire that still kind of had like yeah. a, that style to it without so, being um, dark yeah i there's like a video from old youtube where dude's talking about being hardcore and he's basically dressing like a scene kid he's like putting a belt around him and he's like i'm so hardcore hardcore <laughs> i remember that and yeah. then we had like ask swifty yeah oh man swifty, we could even talk about youtube if we another time but there's so many like there's Ask swifty there's ray william johnson mm-hmm. um, these are yeah this is new well, grounds this is- this is early social media. That's a very valid point. These are at that time, like new grounds. Keep keep that going. Oh, so good. And then it, I don't even think. No, this is before like this is before PewDiePie even. I'm pretty sure. And this is before Markiplier. So it was like. Well, they were just growing that, at that time. They, I mean, were, they weren't really noticeable, but they were. Well, no, it was definitely no? before their time, though. You're right. No, well, no, no, no. Markiplier didn't start till like. I might be wrong, but it's like 2013 or 14, mm. maybe 15. I mean, he might've had his channel on there, but when I looked it up, I'm pretty sure his, he didn't start really until later in the, after the tens. Okay. But, uh, yeah, dude, it was, um, and then you had, uh, these short little clips on Newgrounds, which is a website that was only for flash animation. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh man, some of the best flash animations you could get. A lot of them probably inspired a lot of YouTube or yeah, YouTube videos and animations today. Yeah, which um, is where like Newgrounds was kind of the place you would go before like YouTube, because there wasn't exactly a website to go to for videos like YouTube does. Yeah, as far as YouTube goes, it was basically just like a lot more unedited, not like you see today. Personal people just hanging out. It was literally YouTube. It was great. I miss those days when everybody oh. it was everybody had a chance. <laughs> there was the, themselves. Yeah. YouTube. It was definitely the era of um, 
of grainier cameras and very basic uh, <laughs> quality of things, standard definition, and but no ads. No ads. That's true. Uh, but <laughs> no and then ads. also, there's this funny thing that everyone always remembers is the uh, there was like three different um, songs that could go on in the background of each YouTube video, and if you heard any of these. Um, royalty-free songs that everyone used on YouTube back then, you would immediately recognize it. Oh, yeah. I think they still have some in the actual YouTube music, uh, uh, the free music you can use on there. When you upload a video, you can use it, I think, still. Ah, nostalgic one. That'd be funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good times for that stuff. Yeah, totally. And so... But you know what else was good times? What was that? cheats for grand grand theft auto playstation games okay so yeah visual, I, I was telling you last time that we were going to work on our visualization this is a way that we can really make our words more visual for people and make it uh, butter to your ears so our, our voices are going traveling through your ear canals going through into your brain there and really just making a visual image so this is very descriptive um so when you think of cheats for Grand Theft Auto San Andreas handwritten on an old piece of paper this I'll let you hear it can you hear that ASMR there's a piece of paper (laughs) so with that you can visualize it's it's a copy of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas for PlayStation 2 and inside of it in a little clip thing that would have had the manual, but you don't have that anymore because it's taken out and you just have the case now. Uh, You lost the manual a long time ago. But you have an old yellow piece of paper in there that has handwritten all the different uh, button combinations for cheat codes on San Andreas. Um, That is a visual memory that will stick with me for the rest of time. Can you, I know the, I think I I know the cheat code for the jetpack off the top of my head. You want to know it? Do you still remember it? Yeah, it's like uh, R1, R2, L1, L2, up, down, left, right, L1, or R1, R2, L1, L2, up, down, left, right. You do it twice in a row, I think. I think yeah, that's the jetpack right. one. Yeah, no, you're right. It was it was that twice in a row, and you get the jetpack. I'm pretty positive. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, this. this personifies us during this time period uh, because we were, I mean, we'll just say it, we were scene kids around that time. Um, But even further, the entire identity of that as well was involved with literally this era was the random era. It was just to be as random as possible. So that (laughs) that was the whole aspect. It was like, how weird and random could you be? Like from Brandon, I remember... Like you wearing like um, the Gur and Invader Zim like sweaters, but then you would randomly wear like a Russian cap or uh, you know uh, stuff like that. But then it was also yeah. like the screamo music videos or whatever. Like um, oh, what's their name? The things that rhyme with orange. Um, anyways, oh, there's a there's a band called Stick That. I think it was a uh, Stick That in Your Juice Box and Suck It, but it made me a song. <laughs> And then they had really long, yeah, bands even had really long names for all their songs, too, just to be as random as possible. Um, There was a lot of ways. It was just, it was cool to be as random as physically possible. Um, Yeah. 
I thrived. Oh yeah, you did great with that. You I mean <laughs> your early ADHD <laughs> really did you was, well. You grew up in I the right in time heaven. period. Speaking of of all that, the media that we would listen to at that time period. If I mean, I mean Brandon, you definitely remember uh, there was a big black big binder for CDs, and you flip through. Oh yeah, that. dude, you have your mixed CDs, so everybody was burning CDs and uh, playing them in your anti-skip CD player in your car. But man, some some of the songs, dude, some of the bands, it was like 2000s was some of the best time for music. Because like, we could even talk about as far back as uh, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys even, mm-hmm. like if it's early 2000. And then you got like, um, uh, yeah, Papa Roach, Nick, Nickelback. I mean, you got pop music, you got metal music. Um, it really hit a lot of, uh, you know, we're really, it it really hit, like you said, it could hit all the way from, like, basically the end of the 90s with, like, um, like you said, like, NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, but then it could always, it could even go all the way to the end with, like, and this will be for people uh, that listened to a lot of, like, heavier music like us or even just in the scene era as well, which was, like, Attack Attack, Asking Alexandria, <laughs> uh, Panic at the Disco, Never Shout Never, Black Veil Brides, Escape the Fate, and your favorite, uh, A Day to Remember. Yeah, because I still listen to one, two, three, three or four bands there. And, Zach, remember when we went and watched, uh, we went to the concert of Asking Alexandria? A little bit after I graduated. Yes, we. It was in a. Um, it was in a flight hangar. That was crazy. It was just me and you too. It was a really fun time. I know. Just two of us just road trip down there. We had a great time. It was yeah. It was crowded, man, and it was mosh pits and everything. I that was the sorest my neck had ever been from so much head. Uh, yeah, dude. It's like uh, you try to hold your head up after that, and it's like a week after from head banging so much it just droops down to the ground. Yeah, I I was not prepared. <laughs> and then we had mosh pits oh so oh, dude yeah and walls and stuff like that man oh yeah dude it's great and uh, uh there's so many stories from that but we don't have enough time for them oh yeah which we'll slowly bring those up as time goes on i mean yeah um so out of more uh less out of our our personal experience with it but to try and bring you guys into aspects that maybe me and Brandon weren't paying as much attention to back then. Um, so the NASA rovers, uh, there was quite a few of those that were landing on Mars at the time. So multiple different ones, which will definitely, uh, we're actually going to go over some theories about that later, um, about why they may have done that or things that some people theorized, uh, pictures that came back from that. Be very interesting. Oh Um, yeah. There was some um, big uh, world events that that went on as well. What were you going to say there, Brandon? Oh, I was just going to talk about, you know, obviously like crazy Hurricane Katrina. One of the craziest hurricanes of like notable ones, disastrous ones of probably, gosh, is that still the, the worst one? The well, most that's devastating the one. one? Everyone remembers that name, yeah. Sticks. Yeah, that was that was completely devastating and was um, one that, man, just the, the financial hardship of it and the loss of life. And, I mean, it completely it's wreaked crazy. havoc. Yeah. It, some of the, the topics of the world at that time period, you know, there was, I, and these are things that a lot of people will remember, and this is about 
really helping jog that memory again, but there was the, the BP oil rig uh, that caused a major oil spill in the Gulf Coast. Everyone still references and talks about that, even makes fun of it nowadays because of like how, uh, how poorly that was handled. Um, there was also uh, the Bernie Madoff scandal, the biggest Ponzi scheme in U.S. history. Bernie Madoff, I mean, he literally coined like... Um, like that phrase, like you you always hear about um, Bernie Madoff whenever it comes uh, injunction for like anything like Ponzi scheme wise, and um, and Brandon, you know too, around two thousand eight there was uh, really with, with the whole housing market like bubble popping and stuff like that of um, yeah the big recession yeah the the Great Recession as it's it was actually to. like a big market crash in two thousand eight I think is what it was. Shorting stocks. Yep. All kinds of crazy nonsense. I didn't even care, though. I was two years from graduating. I was like, hey. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't really affect... Um, not to say we... Luckily. We, we've yeah. lived... Um, I mean, we lived pretty humbly, so it, we definitely yeah. weren't adverse to things like that. But at the same time, like, it wasn't something that really adversely affected us at the, at the time. Um, I mean, we had SNAP benefits and that kind of thing. Dad yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, to get exactly. food on the table. Mm-hmm. We are lucky to grow up the way we did because honestly, like one of the big things for me was that we um, we actually got to we didn't always get everything that we wanted, but it made us learn. Yeah. Um, whenever we did get something really nice, we really valued and treasured it, and it was um, it, it made us learn a lot of um, valuable lessons. And you know, we weren't. Uh, we're definitely not embarrassed to say that we definitely grew up on the on the poorer side, but that was the that oh, was the yeah. blessing and blessing in disguise because it, it taught us mm-hmm. um, it taught us how to how to handle those situations and how to be humble for what we have, and I, we became greater people from the life lessons of that, and we had a great um, two great parents that that made it. Um, we were. Right. Uh, yeah, honestly, we were just blessed to have two great parents and to live the way that we did because it made us become the men that we are today. Yeah, it was, um, dad, dad, you know, dad and mom both were home because dad was disabled and mom was disabled. But like mm-hmm. dad had, dad and mom both had taught us um, the value of work, uh, ironically enough, because they were home. But everything that we had got, um, you know, we either had to work really hard to get and we would appreciate it. And we always wanted more, just like any other kid. We'd always beg for more. But, uh, yeah, dude, dude, we were were lucky to have such great parents. Yeah, we really were. But you know what else is lucky? What's that? Getting a Razor phone back then, I tell you. Flipping that sucker open would have been like, you feel like a king or queen. Yeah, you know what, having a... Have a razor phone then was it was the status symbol or the fashion symbol um you felt like the coolest i mean just to say how much um how much i wanted one of those things it's a, no. it's a terrible terrible story but um the fact i wanted one so bad that i literally was in like elementary school whenever it was like big around the time and i was walking around the gym and I saw it sitting on... No, the, you didn't. 
I saw one sitting on the ledge up to the stage, and I I swiped it and I put it in Zachary my pocket. News. And I took it home with me, and I tried to convince Dad that it should be mine. <laughs> And that didn't work out so well because then, of course, I had to go to school the next day and give it back to the teacher that I had taken it from. Um, As you so, should. yeah, once again, learning wonderful, valuable life lessons. You know, we all um, we all make mistakes and we have to learn. learn I got one. I need them. to fess up. I need to fess up. Right we here got, on the podcast. Yeah, let it out, man. I, I, I found a, 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 a Zune. A, a Microsoft Zune in high school, and I kept it, and it was awesome. Sorry, so, persons, whose that was, but it was mine now. <laughs> it's hard to tell where, if who, if that person <laughs> will ever hear this. But um, I hope not. It was white. I apologize. Forgive me. No, I am very happy that you got that Zune though, because I that I hold Zune near and dear to my heart because yeah, no, I think it's like the underdog of, and I thought always its design was so cool, and I actually just recently saw some on YouTube of like these guys who um, rebuild a lot of things like that or just bring up like old iPods and Zunes. So intuitive um, for its time, dude. Oh, so ahead, massive screen and such a cool design and great screen like it the clarity was awesome too and yeah. like it, microsoft always likes putting storage space on their stuff back then like with the xbox and everything and yeah. i'm pretty sure it had a pretty good amount of storage oh yeah i think it had options and i i still feel like yeah that they they did a good job of putting out a high quality competitor to the ipod or the really literally the only one that even came close was that before the i pot touch and iphone yes or was that after okay it I was, was gonna before. say because everybody yeah everybody was trying to compete against that before i before iphone blew everything away yeah before yeah the smartphone era that, and that's the crazy thing about it is because the the ipod was the thing so there was this picture that i wanted to show you and it would bring back memories but it's a um it's like a slider phone and an iPod, and a can of Monster on a sidewalk, Ooh. and it's just you know that just sums it up Dude, right there for me. I miss full QWERTY keyboards. I like sliding them things out and just tactile oh, feedback, fuck. man. Hard a hardware keyboard, like you could get going. You didn't even. I mean, it was all muscle memory at that point. You know. Oh, it's so fun, dude. Our friend Seth, man, he was a texter. Like he was a texting beast. Just imagine a whole room full of teenagers and y'all hear us. He's <laughs> typing. Yeah, just the click, 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 click. It's like, well, with like Aaron and his flip phone, man, he would pull that thing oh out. I just, I, I have Dude, he could text so freaking fast. On a flip phone. No less. Um, That's a good man right there, Aaron. Good oh, man. Great man. Uh, there was a couple things that I wanted to cover in technology. Is um, Speaking of... The iPod and Zune were right before this, but the iPhone released in 2007, and that's the one that literally started the smartphone era as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the only thing that even came close was there was a little Android, or before even Android was Android, the start of a potential smartphone thing that was similar to that. It still had hardware keys and stuff, but the, the iPhone 
came out in two. I think it was like magic, dude. I think it yeah. looked like just imagine you've never seen a touch screen besides those cheap little PDAs with green screens. Yeah. And then like somebody comes to school one day on the school bus and has this piece of glass that's they, a beautiful screen that they could touch everything. Everything that's on it. I could blew even, me away. I remember hearing something about the news about them converting a iPod and a phone together, and I just couldn't even fathom the concept of what it would look like or that it would be a touch screen or that it would be what it is now. Like, I have that memory. I remember thinking, I'm like, an iPod and a phone. That's weird. Yeah, because phones were like a weird concept, like mobile phones still. Yeah, at the most so, you had like playing Snake and Brick Breaker on like, I mean, we had uh, those Virgin Mobile cell phones that we would, you know, get cool I had text tones and ringtones on. Yeah, ringtones were hard to get then. Yeah, it was so difficult. You had to record. Sometimes if you wanted a cool one, you could do a voice uh, recorder memo thing on your phone for the flip <laughs> one and then you record it from the car stereo and yes. then set it as a ringtone. Exactly. Um, okay. So speaking of that and that cell phone, the concept of, and this is something I'm sure a lot of people remember, but the concept of free minutes on the weekend to make cell phone calls. Whenever I was scrolling through and getting, trying to refresh myself and I saw this thing about this guy guy saying a post, it's like, hey man, Uh, he sends him like a text or a Facebook uh, like post on his wall because like messaging and messenger wasn't really a big thing. Um, it would say, I'm going to call you on the weekend, man, when I get my free minutes. Like, Oh, dude, I had that plan. Like free minutes on the weekend? It, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, because me and my friend Zach, like I would, we would talk a lot because back then everybody talked on the phone. Now it's yeah. just like gives me a panic attack. But, uh, <laughs> to make a phone yeah, call. Dude, yeah, dude, every, um, it's like a certain time period too. It was like every, after Friday, after like 6 o'clock in the evening till like Sunday or Monday, you would have, you could talk at night for free oh yeah was that it was at night and then and on the text weekends. yeah and was it text or, too? i think it was some eventually it, i think it was text as well oh, but okay. it, it depended on like what carrier you had okay well yeah i mean but yeah regardless the concept of actually like staying on the phone for hours like just talking and having conversation was before like texting and social media as far as messenger messenger and facebook messenger and things like that Um, i'm sorry i need to interrupt you real quick yes um just you can keep that thought for a second but i was just gonna like it's not it's this is actually not that uh far away from when me and you were working at walmart and people bought those uh plans for um for the straight talk phones and uh the other ones because remember some of them would have uh, uh which one is a track phone Mm-hmm. Track phone would have minutes and times you could call for free, I think. Not even oh, just so many years ago. I couldn't even recall if it I remember the the minutes thing that you could you could just buy a certain amount of minutes, but I couldn't recall it being uh free on uh, I don't know if they weekends. did or not. I was just thinking about that. But yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Um but no, I was just saying there I mean messengers and stuff and texting really did start to take rise, but when people really wanted to have full blown conversations it was long long phone calls for a couple hours. Um, so yeah, I think that that was an interesting thing. People could stay on there for, I, I'm just blown away how long we could stay on a phone conversation um, back then. But, yeah, I know. But yeah, moving on to other tech aspects that I wanted to cover is um, 
this to me is still one of the most iconic windows uh but windows xp i feel like was the goat um to be seceded by uh vista which was uh not oh yeah vista was terrible worst yeah. operating system <laughs> yeah i hated it so um, slow buggy you had to ask, answer like a million security questions every time you try to install something yeah that's insane i mean just um but yeah that was when, around the time when windows uh especially where people used uh pcs uh, and laptops a lot um and you know now you're used to like windows 10 windows 11 if you're like a pc user um but back then i mean it was very common but windows xp i feel like really got it really got it right um but past that, um, another thing, you know, because uh, at most people were trying to use iPod videos and Zunes and things like that to watch like videos and stuff, but portable DVD players were, I mean, in my in our case, it felt more like a luxury to see those things, but it was, um, you definitely saw people using those more often because you couldn't just, you know, take an iPad on a plane or like just tablet and watch uh, like Netflix and Hulu and stuff. It was just like rocking out a DVD player and bringing along like one DVD to watch on a trip or something like that. A couple, couple DVDs. Yeah, because like storage space was not that like amazing back then. And if you had stuff downloaded on your computer, it took up a lot of space. Oh, yeah. So like that too. And iTunes was just a big mess. Like having the software on your computer trying to hook up your iPhone or your iPod. Oh yeah, remember all that? That was a big mess. It was, yeah. Back then, it was really mis- disorganized. It wasn't. It wasn't the best. I mean, it was still great for, for the time period, all things considered. But it was definitely, yeah. It was still a lot of hassle to try and get like a movie or something loaded up on something like that. All right. So the the last thing that I want to cover that really um, kind of solidify this time period to me a little bit that I recall, uh, and this will help us move right into our theories on the more serious tone, there was this mythical creature that started coming up around this time period, and his name was Slenderman. Now, of course, everyone now pretty much knows that name and what he is, but essentially he was a uh, very tall, linky, man-like creature that had a white face and wore kind of like a pinstripe black suit. Um... Now, you might have played, like, newer games and everything about it, but there's one I remember vividly, and that was um, the original Slender Man game where you had to go and collect his eight pages. And this game inherently shocked me to my core because I played it on computer, and I was wearing headphones, and my heart was racing, and I, I was close to finishing it. And before I know it, he basically just came up on the screen like that. And I literally grabbed the sides of my chair and looked away. And I was, at that point, I felt like my body, I had, my spirit had left my body. Um, You just evacuated yourself. I just, yeah, yeah, I just evacuated myself. Um, With that, um, it definitely helps us move right into darker side and more interesting and open-minded concepts of the 2000s. Welcome to the realm of the extraordinary, where the past intertwines with the future. In the early 2000s, humanity faced the SARS outbreak, a daunting threat that gripped the world in fear. Yet, amidst the chaos, another story unfolded, one that reached beyond our planet's grasp. 
As SARS captured headlines, a pair of intrepid rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, embarked on a daring mission to explore the red planet Mars. These robotic pioneers unveiled the mysteries of the Martian surface, revealing secrets hidden for aeons. But while the world anxiously waited for SARS updates, an obsession with reality TV gripped society. Shows like Survivor and American Idol captivated audiences, blurring the lines between authenticity and entertainment. In this era of technological leaps, society found itself in a tug of war. The marvels of innovation brought us closer to the stars, while reality TV shifted our focus inward, blinding us to the wonders beyond. As SARS receded from the headlines, the discoveries made by spirit and opportunity faded into the background. The collective gaze turned towards fleeting fame and manufactured drama, oblivious to the magnitude of our cosmic exploration. Within this paradoxal tapestry, we stand at the crossroads of progress and connection. Will we embrace the, the new profound discoveries that lie beneath our reach? Or will we be consumed by the shallow world of fabricated narratives, blinding us to the wonders that await? Brace yourself as we embark on a journey through time and space, questioning the nature of our existence and the choices we make in an ever-evolving world with Theories Time, 2000's edition. The Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS outbreak in 2002 to 2003, was a global health crisis. The outbreak originated in southern China, specifically in the Guangdong province, and quickly spread to the other parts of the world. Number one, emergence. In November 2002, cases of mysterious respiratory illness were reported in Guangdong, China. The disease was later identified as a new strain of coronavirus, closely related to those found in animals. It is believed to have crossed with the species bear barrier likely for bats to humans. Number two, rapid spread. SARS quickly spread through China and the other countries through the international travel. Infected individuals unknowingly carried the virus, leading to outbreaks in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, and various other parts of the world. Number three was symptoms and transmission. SARS presented with flu-like symptoms, including high fever, cough, and difficulty breathing. The virus prim primarily spread through close contact with infected individuals, particularly through respiratory droplets. Number four, international response. The World Health Organization, or WHO, declared SARS outbreak a global health threat in 2003 of March, prompting a coordinated international response. Public health measures, including quarantine, isolation, contact tracing, and travel restrictions were implemented to contain the spread of this virus. Number five, impact. The SARS outbreak has significant socioeconomic consequences. It resulted in over 8,000 reported cases, more than 700 deaths worldwide. The outbreak led to fear and panic affecting travel, trade, and the global economy. Healthcare systems were strained, and efforts were made to enhance public health preparedness for future outbreaks. 6. Containment and Eradication Through rigorous public health measures, including isolation of infected visuals and contact tracing, the outbreak was eventually contained. By the mid-2003, the number of new cases declined significantly, and no new cases have been reported since then. The SARS outbreak highlighted the importance of international cooperation, early detection, and rapid response in containing emerging infectious diseases. Lessons learned from SARS have since informed global efforts to address outbreaks.
Wow. I definitely think there is, um, SARS is a great example of, um, something that, that shows how quickly pandemics can happen and spread, but as long as Dude, they're contained properly. Let me tell you, the whole time I was reading this, it was just like going back to 2019. Right. Just saying. That's Absolutely. All I'm saying. I yeah. mean, if anything, that, yeah. I mean, it just sounds just like it, but it was definitely a lot to learn from that. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Like the lab leak theory. There's one theory that suggests SARS may have accidentally escaped from a laboratory. The theory speculates that the virus being studied for, for research purposes might have been inadvertently released to the laboratory having an accident or poor containment protocols. It, but it's also important to note that extensive investigations conducted at that time did not find any conclusive evidence to support this theory. What do you think about that one? So, yeah, I, I think um, it, it's always interesting to me to take uh, for whenever it becomes like... Um, prior to recent times the any any epidemic or virus or anything like that was i always looked at it as like this crazy like um mythical science thing that was just crazy and you could always put a story into it so like a lab leak thing like kind of gives me that idea of this big monster that's like oh like escaped um, the lab yeah like resident evil it reminds me of like stuff like that so um i always it yeah, it'd be crazy to think that something had escaped from a lab and caused this to happen, just like Resident Evil, and that end up in like Raccoon City or that kind of scenario. I was thinking it was more like um, they just didn't contain it right inside the facility, oh. and maybe uh, <laughs> I'm more on the serious side of there, I guess. But maybe more like a scientist accidentally took it out, or they just didn't. Con- and it got dropped and then That's... went into the atmosphere, or maybe an animal like a rat got in. That's a lot more plausible. I was thinking, I was kind of thinking even on the smaller end, like the small rat escaping from the laboratory and just kind of yeah. getting out in nature. But I think also what you said, like the scientist just accidentally bringing it outside and then it gets it gets out and it's uncontained at that point. Or maybe it gets into like the, um, the water system somehow through the pipes and drains mm-hmm. and kind yeah. of like goes out into the public water system that somehow doesn't get filtered. Who knows? Or maybe it went into a ditch and then... Yeah, it could yeah. be anything. I mean, it's possible. That's I think that's possible. a good theory. I think speaking of Resident Evil, the there's a yeah. bioweapon conspiracy theory. Um, a conspiracy theory possessed that SARS was intentionally created and released as a bioweapon. This theory often includes claims of deliberate manipulation of the virus in a lab to enhance its transmis- transmissibility and lethality. Oh, wow. Uh, however, it's crucial to emphasize that there's no scientific evidence to support this theory, and it is widely debunked by experts. But that's not what we're here for. So that, um, speaking of Resident Evil, hey, any, any virus, this one. they would do splicing or anything like that to try and make it into a bioweapon to further uh, their goals from like um, corrupt governments and things like that in that, in that world. Um, or... Just for crazy yeah. experimentation. Umbrella and stuff. Yeah, like Umbrella, umbrella Corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. That one, how do you feel? Well, okay, sorry. Actually, from a real-world perspective, I think there was definitely times which uh, a lot of them have signed peace agreements on this kind of thing now. But um, I know even back in the day that I think it was Germany or um, 
somewhere like that that started experimenting with uh it was pretty horrid but using like mustard gas and stuff like that so i could see um oh my god yeah them using it, using stuff like yeah. that in a war scenario yeah i mean you never know what they're doing in these labs dude like area 51 lab for example mm-hmm. so secretive and all that like i know there's a lab under there there has to be and you know what kind of biomechanics like we got crazy science experiments that they're doing who knows i believe some of it it could be possible they're not going to tell us if it was a, a weapon that's why it's a weapon exactly yeah there's some theories that explore the role of environmental factors in the sars outbreak these theories consider facts such as air pollution climate change and other changes in wildlife habitat wildlife habitats as potential contributors to the emergence and spread of the virus while these inter Environmental factors can influence diseases' dynamics. The primary modes of SARS transmission were established to be human-to-human contact and respiratory droplets. So, environmental factors. Um, maybe I don't know about that. Like, it's more like yeah, like but like guess spreading through wildlife, like we were talking about before. Oh, like. I see. Uh, like Is that what it means? the fact of like air pollution, climate change, like there's a variety of factors. Like, okay, so here's an interesting way to look at it. This may, uh, so climate change, for instance, how it like melts the poles or whatever. Oh. Um, like say there's like old bacteria in a um, a frozen okay. iceberg or whatever, and then once that gets released into the air, um, yeah. Then you can bring back something that our bodies aren't used to, as uh, and our immune systems haven't dealt with because it's like in a million year old bacteria. It's new. Yeah. Uh, old but new. Yeah, that would make sense because, yeah. like, if it was in the air, like it melted down and then got yeah. into the air. If that's what it's it, shooting for, I totally yeah, that could be that would crazy. Be, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. It'd be a good good movie if it's not one already. Yeah, there was this um, just to talk on this real quick it was in the i constantly listen to the no sleep podcast but it reminded me of when something like an old bacteria from like millions years ago there was a story on there about this one one guy that um he was an archaeologist and he was excavating some bones and um he accidentally scratched himself on the bone and then it like this is i listen to that one yeah it, well what had happened was is um it's a little far out there, but essentially once that happened, it um, was this crazy thing where he, uh, apparently the skeleton, essentially the summary of it, what happened is the skeleton of the body of this, uh, what he scratched his finger on was a, somebody who had a third, um, a third limb and he eventually started having this sensation that he kept trying to itch and it uh he had to start doing very crazy things to his uh to to scratch the itch he would have to like peel his skin further and further just to like to to an invisible point to where he could scratch it and um then he got he got so crazy that he eventually attached like uh he dug up somebody's old body and attached a old rotting arm to him so he could scratch an itch. It was just crazy. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. Yeah, no, that was just, it just reminded me of, of that. But yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, on the far reaching end, that's a potential uh, thing of a crazy example of a, a more yeah. 
out more there. More of a scary, uh, a horror story of something like that. Yeah, I dig it, man. I actually think I listened to that one. Really? To be honest with you. Yeah. It was a good yeah, one. It, it, uh, it kind of reminds you of like, like you're starting to like, like almost get into to alien type territory because of like how weird it's like things are becoming like mutating your body and stuff yeah another theory is uh it's contaminated animal markets this theory suggests that the sars virus emerged from unregulated wildlife trade and unsanitary conditions in live animal markets uh the close proximity between different species in these markets could have facilitated the transmission of the virus from animals to humans so um, this is like those markets where they yeah. it's very like unsanitary and they just have like all these like dead animals just like in not oh. even cooling and stuff like that i mean it's it, it can be it's uh, disgusting it can be yeah gross and the breeding grounds for all kinds of bacteria just a poopy old mess yeah dude it, i don't know about this one this one i mean it's plausible because like you've seen how bad people treat animals like especially in this kind of market i would say well i mean just recall like um with like um chickens like and how much even today that you constantly see that we have to um they have to do recalls on chickens or be on a watch for um it's what true was, what was in the, the in the um the the cows cows and because uh, i remember there was something going on with the beef a while back Oh yeah, any contaminants and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it just has to be constantly regulated and monitored. And whenever you go into these crazy livestock markets in China like that, you never you never know what uh, could come out of there. Speaking of all these animals, what come first, Zach, the chicken or the egg? You know that actually is a very good question. And whenever you come to think of where did everything start, it makes you wonder of the other planets that are in our solar system and it's is there other life out there with us and that really is what's going to bring us into our next theory number one mars exploration rover mission it launched in 2003 nasa's mars exploration rover the mission sent two rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, to Mars. Their primary goal was to search for signs of past water activity and explore the planet's geology. The rovers were equipped with various scientific instruments, cameras, and tools to analyze rocks and soil. Number two, Spirit Rover. Spirit landed on Mars in January 2004 and explored the Gusov crater. It discovered evidence of a wetter ancient Martian environment, including rocks that had formed in the presence of water. Spirit operated until 2010, enduring challenges like getting stuck in sand and losing mobility due to a malfunctioning wheel. Number 3. Opportunity Rover Opportunity landed on Mars in January 2004, on the opposite side of the planet from Spirit, it also found evidence of past water activity such as sedimentary rock layers and mineral deposits. Opportunity far exceeded its planned 90-day mission, operating until June 2018. Its mission finally ended when a dust storm covering its solar panels preventing it from recharging. Number 4. 
that was all of the rovers in this era of this decade that had traveled to Mars and what their mission was. Dude, you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a documentary called Good Night Oppie. It's O-P-P-Y. It's the coolest documentary about spirit and opportunity and how they were built, all the emotions and oh my God, dude. Because like this thing happens. I just want to tell you just really this is a quick snip, snippet. They were going to land with uh, spirit and opportunity and uh, they didn't expect them to last too long on there. Like uh, I think it was like just a few months or a year or something like that because of all the um, dust that would cover the solar panels. And one of them, one of them finally like pooped out, but I won't tell you which one. And the other one kept going for like, I don't know, like 10 years. And it was like this cute little story about like this true story about like, you know, them just having this connection with this beautiful machine. Like, oh my God, dude, it's such a cool thing. It's probably the inspiration from Wally and stuff. I was gonna say that's that's what it just comes back to. We just I don't it's know. It's so good. We just love you have like, to watch cute it. little robots. You'll um, love it. You guys have to watch it. And then comment on our Reddit post or Reddit and tell me about it. Yeah, I definitely look forward to watching that myself. This overall, the the importance of what um you know, what we achieve as a human race like this, traveling to other planets and, and figuring out about them. So generally, um the theories that can kind of come out of of these explorations is that a lot of these capture pictures and um, there's a lot of things that we're very curious about what they discovered on Mars potentially that we haven't seen or that we may have seen um, potentially that's been hidden from us. So uh, the first one and this has to do with Mars overall, is the possibility of past or present life. So one of the most intriguing theories about Mars is the possibility of a past or present life on the planet. Scientists have long been fascinated by the potential for microbial life existing in Mars history, or even currently in underground habitats. The discovery of watery ice Evidence of ancient rivers and organic molecules in Martian soil have fueled speculation about the potential for life on the red planet. So, yeah, dude. I mean, we can definitely all agree that uh, that's what's wonderful. Uh, me and Brandon love outer space. Um, it's it's oh, something yes. we're passionate about, and even scientists as well. And you know, um, they are they are testing theories themselves. This is all about us as a uh, as a human population trying Dude, to figure yeah. out if if there is if there was life out there For besides alone. us yeah or if just like what you know where'd they go but like when i was watching a documentary and they like found like this for example when they found the evidence of uh you know the uh of possible water and stuff in the soil man and it like was such an emotional crazy moment you should it was insane oh like, yeah it's crazy to think about beautiful times and let's talk about beautiful times one beautiful time would be when we finally reach mars and we start to terraform it terraforming refers to the theoretical process of transforming a planet to make it habitable for humans now there's some theories that propose the idea of transforming mars in the future by altering its atmosphere temperature and surface conditions to support human colonization 
The concept involves technology such as releasing greenhouse gases to warm the planet, which I've seen that before, I think, mm -hmm. melting the polar ice caps, and generating oxygen. So you think? Oh, I think... I think that theory is just, um, it's just a matter of time when it becomes a reality. Oh, yeah. Um, it would, I mean, it would be like a, like a, a planet-wide scale of uh, terraforming, but it would be like such a cool thing in the future when that does happen. It would. Not when, if, when. Yeah, if, it's not if, it's when. <laughs> but it does, no, it I will think. take an amazing amount of um, human ingenuity um, and pushing us forward for the ability yep. to actually alter an atmosphere and to release greenhouse gases and be able to take advantage of what we know about how our planet works to make another one act just like it by uh, putting into effect these things. Now, is the reason we don't terraform the moon because of its soil or just because nobody wants to go there because there's a bunch of other theories about that? <laughs> or... Obviously. Or maybe about what's under that soil. Oh. There's another theory about underground habitats. So, given the harsh surface conditions on Mars, another theory suggests that potential habitable environments might exist underground. The presence of subsurface ice and the protection it offers from radiation and extreme temperatures make underground habitats a, a compelling possibility for future human exploration and colonization. That's a good point. Like, if if we could find a way to like burrow, or if we had drills up there, mm -hmm. and just kind of like like in Minecraft, the easiest way to start a new place is to just go up to a, like a you know a mountain and just build a cave, and then build inside there, That's then having true. to set up a whole thing. But maybe they could bring tech in there to cleanse the air. Um, and then set up an environment in there that they'd be able to sustain. Well, I mean, even, think about cool. even early mankind. We we uh, we didn't just live out on the surface. We we lived in caves and things like that. Um, and maybe this potential thing is just there's such a solid layer of ice underneath that there could be. Um, I mean, it's probably more microbial, maybe fish and things like that are, that are existing under a layer of ice, and there's an ocean underneath there as well, which is, there has been proved, or close to proven that a lot of other planets out there um, do have an icy uh, layer with a potential for an ocean underneath of it. I know uh, after so many million years from now, uh, Mars will have the rings like Saturn. A cool fact. Um. Another cool fact, not really a cool theory, is ancient Martian civilizations. Now, there's a fringe theory that suggests the possibility of ancient civilizations of Mars. Now, ancient astronaut theorists suggest <laughs> the theory. <laughs> I finally get to say it. Uh, certain features captured by Mars rovers or orbiters um, are, might be potential evidence of past intelligent life. The mainstream scientific consensus holds that these features are just a result of natural ge geological processes, though. Right. But that's the thing about where they, you all have seen this, and it's the face on the... Um, yes. Yeah. Is that the face on the, uh, on the moon, or is it Mars? Um, I think it's Mars. I'm pretty sure the I've heard the man in the moon... But uh, I'm pretty sure that it looked like if... Hold on. 
Yep, it's the face on Mars. Okay. And I'm looking at it right now. It literally looks just like a face. Yeah, like so a, that that is the thing that is um, the widely up for debate is because there is a geological structure on there, and it was taken by NASA, and it looks like potentially an ancient civilization had made a um, ancient structure that resembled a face. I mean... But the thing is, like, everybody says it's pareidolia, which is, well, if you don't know what pareidolia is, it's just, like, what humans do to, you know, it tricks us into seeing things that remind us of human faces or whatever. That's that's actually a very valid point, too. Is It comes that, up a lot in um, uh, my paranormal, paranormal stuff. Yeah, I, I could see that, because you definitely, we as, our brain automatically tries to find... Um, human-like patterns. features and yeah. patterns and they will try and find faces out of things that aren't there um but i mean it, it is a hard argument know. to say for sure they wouldn't tell us if it was there well no it's only when they think that we're ready that's right when we're all ancient astronaut theorists they'll tell us yes that's right whenever we're all the all scientists of the world actually uh, we have so much that we'd like to talk about in the 2000s. And like I said in previous episodes, there's some decades that we'd like to take a longer look at. And for me and Brandon, the, the 2000s were, are a very important part to us. And we really would like uh, for you guys to hear more about it. So uh, there's just so much that we want to go over that uh, this episode ran a little longer than normal. So we're actually going, this is an exciting part, is that we're going to do a part two uh, on more theories about the year 2000. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. We're, we're super excited, and we've got a lot more to bring you. So, uh, of course, like always, we, we thank you so much for, for joining us for another episode and look forward to part two. Um, you know where you can find us on our socials, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, and, of course, always feel free to submit um, your thoughts and other things that you would like for us to see on Reddit. Um, and of course, keep listening where you're listening now. But you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, Pandora. And if you want to relive some of our favorite moments of the podcast, look for some of our favorite clips on TikTok and YouTube Shorts. Um, and Brandon, where can they find you if they just can't get enough? Well, I just also want to let them know if they get us to a thousand TikTok followers, we'll do some TikTok dances. And also, you can find me at Bobby Random Reacts on YouTube, or you can find me at Bobby Random on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the good old TikTok. If you want to come see some paranormal things, some crazy grown man jumping at scary things on the screen, you'll have a blast. Oh man, you're definitely gonna have to try and hold me to those dances. We'll see if we get there. <laughs> thousand, thousand followers, guys, do it. A thousand followers, and I'll do that for sure. Um, but once again, thank you guys very much, and I really hope you enjoyed this one. Was very personal to us, and we we enjoyed bringing it to you so much that you definitely get ready for part two. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us on the Muse Theory Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our musings. Please join us next week where we'll discuss our theories of part two of the 2000s. And we leave you with this. The world is full of questions, and all we have are theories.